0: Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcasheville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is Pastor Nathan Hawkins.
1: Take your Bibles and turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Hey, wonderful job. Thank you so much, Josh and Larry, uh, backing up Dalton there on the piano. And um, I've told Dalton this before, but I'm jealous of his skills because he can preach and play. So that's a dynamic and a dangerous uh, talents together. But um, thank you, uh, young ladies and young men for singing as well. And I know I've said it before, but I do appreciate them. So many times I go over there at 4 o'clock, and uh, they're already there praying about what to sing for our youth group and uh, praying about how to lead the worship. And so I love them. And God's blessed them with talents, uh, beautiful voices. And I love seeing um, some guys up here singing. And uh, just a beautiful blend. And I was able to preach at a youth rally two Fridays ago and I took them with me and um, it's really it's really easy to preach after they get done singing. Um, the presence of God is welcome and I actually just got a text message uh, a church is wanting us to come uh, bring and they want me to bring them just to hear them sing. they're just uh, we might just like pastor has said many times just get them a bus uh, but maybe a van or something but I do appreciate them, and uh, thank you for praying for me and Jessica. We were in Johnson City this past weekend. Of course, a lot of you know Pleasant Hill Baptist Church there in Weaverville. Um, They have their winter retreat uh, this past weekend. I had 125 teenagers come to uh, that retreat, and it was an awesome weekend. You see some of the teenagers sitting over here in our youth group with the white long sleeve T-shirts on. They were on that trip this weekend So you need to pray for them, because after tonight, they will have heard me preach five times in three days. (laughs) Goodness gracious, we need to pray a lot. Um, So the fact that they're here, knowing that I was going to preach, is a good sign, right? But uh, God uh, organized that weekend, his fingerprints was all over it, I appreciate my friend Jason Cox, he's the youth pastor over there, he does a great job putting the weekend on, and... Uh, I just enjoy being able to go preach. Um, preach Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and then this morning. And nine students accepted Christ as their Savior. And that's what it's all about. And uh, I've, been, I've been in a lot of services, a lot of retreats, a lot of youth retreats. But when God really deals with someone about salvation, it's so evident that it's God. And every time we would give an invitation, there was no having to pull teeth to get them out. It was like, raise your hand if you are not 100% sure you're saved. And before I could get the words out of my mouth, people were raising their hand. And there was a handful every service, and nine total. And so one, I'll tell you this testimony really quick. One was a young lady who goes to a local high school, was invited by some of her friends on her ball team. And she grew up as a Jehovah's Witness in a Jehovah's Witness home. And her response when she was invited Well, I do not know if I have the correct Bible for this retreat. And the uh, young lady that invited her said, Don't worry about that. We'll get you a Bible. Please just come. And uh, yesterday morning, she received Christ as her Savior. So uh, pretty powerful stuff, and I love being a part of it. And I feel honored and blessed. And it was a great weekend. My wife was able to go with me, and her mother was able to come up and keep our children. So it was like a date weekend. And it was wonderful. So uh, those are few and far between. But thank you so much for praying for us, praying for me. And uh, I'm going to preach a message. I knew I was preaching tonight for a couple weeks. And, you know, you try to seek God for specifically what um, he would want you to preach. You just don't want to pull anything out. I knew I'd be preaching to teenagers all weekend. And so you got your mind on that. And I want to be very specific. I think God always has a specific word for his people. I don't think he ever wastes a time, never. And any time uh, that I've not wanted to come to a service or have not wanted to go to church, those are the times usually that God speaks the loudest to me. And because he's all, he never wastes an uh, opportunity. And uh, God confirmed this, and I'll be honest with you, the first time I heard this passage preached was at a preacher's conference. And Pastor Rory was there, and Mel, I think you might have even been there. And I was there with my wife. Pastor Winston was there with his wife. And uh, it was probably about four years ago. And I heard this passage preached. And I'm not trying to be melodramatic here or over the top. But this passage being preached changed my life. It really changed my life. And in fact, it changed my ministry. And I mean that with all sincerity. I was at a place personally, me and my wife was both there, where we didn't know what the next days and weeks and months held. I didn't know what the days, weeks, months of my ministry held. But this message, looking back, it changed my life. And I got to meet the man that preached this message a few months ago. And I told him this, and I told him the story that went with it. And... I usually don't preach messages I've heard before, but this passage is just so powerful. I think it will be a blessing to you too. Let's just look at a verse. I'm just going to read one verse. I'm going to give you a thought, and I'm going to tell you my story, and we'll be done. Okay? Psalms 119, verse 49. It says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Let's read it again. Psalms 119, verse 49. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. I want to preach on this thought a word from God. A word from God. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. God, I praise you for what you did this weekend. Lord, I'm thankful, God, for the prayers. Lord, I thank you for saving souls. And God, I pray that you would free my mind from distractions. God, I know I have a lot to say that I want to say in my heart, but God, I pray I would say only what you would have me. Lord, I pray you'd empty me of self, use me, cleanse me. And Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up and honored. God, somebody needs a word from God tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As you read through the Bible, you realize that there's a principle about God. And this isn't how he always operates, but a lot of times he does, is that God likes to talk about things before they happen. We're still in January, so we just came out of December, and we all celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. Of course, that's a big thing here at our church. In three weeks, really, we are leading up to Christmas with plays and choir cantatas, and everything that we put into it. But if you read your Bible, or you have any knowledge of your Bible, you realize that before Jesus was born, God talked a lot about it. There's prophecies in the Old Testament that talked about Christ being born. Thousands of years before it happened, God said He would be born of a virgin. Thousands of years before it happened, God said He'd be born in Bethlehem. Thousands of years before it happened, God said He would be born in the line of David. Like, God has that principle that He talks about things before they actually happen. It's not just about the birth of Christ, but what about even His death? Think about how many prophecies in the Old Testament. We're not going to take time and look at all these passages, but think about how many prophecies were even written in the Old Testament. Thousands of years before Christ would even be on the cross. Think about this. Thousands of years before the Romans would even invent this thing called crucifixion, thousands of years before that, they would prophesy of Christ's death. And then I do not have to tell you this, because I know where you go to church, but obviously the Bible talks about His second coming. Our pastor... Has one of the great, is personal opinion, greatest, is the greatest voice on prophecy in the country. And so we know all the prophetic chapters. We have an insight that most Christians, you do understand that, most Christians do not have. And so we have this knowledge that God likes to talk about things before they actually happen. Why would God do that? For two reasons. God would do that, number one, because once it actually happens, then God receives all the glory. If He says it's going to happen, and then a week later, or a year later, or a thousand years later, it happens, then who receives the glory? God. Because He talked about it. He prophesied it. But not only that, we've heard our pastor even talk about How prophecy, even though we live in a messed up world, should encourage us as believers. So why would God talk about something before it actually happens? Number one, because when it happens, he's going to receive all the glory. And number two, it will encourage the believer when they hear God talk about something, and then it actually happens, that encourages us that the Bible is true, that my God is still on the throne, and I don't have to worry. Do you understand that? And so I want you to understand that principle before we go into this because this is really what it's talking about. Listen to what the verse says. He says, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. I want you to notice a few things about this verse. Number one, notice the first word. He says, remember. Can we just be honest? What in the world are we doing as human beings telling an omniscient, all-knowing, never-forgetful God to remember. In fact, he's so good at remembering that he chooses to forget someone's sin when they accept him as their Savior. Think about that. So why in the world would we waste our time as men and women to go to an all-knowing, all-sufficient, all-sovereign God and say, hey God, I know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you just kind of put this on the sidebar, but do you remember what you said? Like, why would we do that? Here's an example that maybe would give us a little insight on in that, why we should, as believers, do that to God. A few uh, months ago, I can't even remember, it's probably maybe been a year ago when it first happened, uh, me and my little boy went to Chick-fil-A. God's chicken, right? I mean, everybody loves Chick-fil-A. Got number one with no pickles, with a large sweet tea. And I'm sure he got a kid's milk, can't remember. But it was just me and him. It was late. We had to grab something really quick. And I said, we'll go to Chick-fil-A, grab it, go home. So we had to hurry. And he, made, he asked me a question. He said, hey, can I have ice cream? And that's, here's what I said. I said, it's way too late. Number one, my mom, your mom would kill me if I gave you sugar at 7 o'clock at night. And then number two, we just don't have time. So I said, next time we come to Chick-fil-A, I promise you can get some ice cream. Yeah, famous last words. So weeks and months... And decades, not really decades, but it felt like decades in my mind, go by. And we go to Chick-fil-A, me and him again. And we get our order, we sit down, we eat. I'm like, okay, come on, buddy, finish up the chicken, we got to go. And he said, this this was the four-year-old's words. Hey, Dad, remember you told me next time we come to Chick-fil-A, I could get ice cream?
2: What? Like, are you serious?
1: I didn't remember. But he did because he wanted that ice cream. And I will say, Chick fil A has wonderful ice cream. So I went and got him ice cream. You know what? I feel like that's what the psalmist is saying here. Is what Zay was telling me. Hey, Dad. Right now, I'm in a situation where I cannot get ice cream. But do you remember what you told me? Do you remember months ago when you said, when we come back to this place and we get in this same situation, that you will get me ice cream? That's what the psalmist is saying. Hey, Father, you remember? Let's break this down really quick. I'm going to give you three things about remembering, asking God to remember. Number one, he says, remember the word. Number one, it's a particular word. It's specific and not a general promise. You say, what do you mean? I mean that there are some general promises in God's word. There's some promises like this. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a general promise. That's to every believer, okay? Anybody that has Christ as their Savior, he promises, I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. That's a general promise. What about this one? I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's to every believer in this room tonight. It's a general promise. What about this promise? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. That's a general promise. All of us can claim onto those promises out of God's word tonight as believers and say, God, this is what you promised me. But it looks like here in the psalm, when the psalmist writes verse 49, it's a specific word. It's not another promise he made to somebody else, but it's a specific word. Because he says, Remember the word, not a word, but the word that you spoke to me. So what could be the word that he's talking about here? I believe in, if you apply it to any of our lives, the word could be about anything in our lives. It could be about a call that was placed upon our life that we've not yet seen the fruit of yet. And we say, remember the word that you spoke to me, God. It could be about a marriage. Marriage, you ever go through a hard time? Why, sure. But sometimes, even as a husband or wife, you have to go to God and say, I remember what you spoke over my marriage. I remember what you put in my husband and my wife's heart. I remember that. It could be about a call. It could be about a marriage. It could be about a career. It could be about a present problem and a present circumstance. What about this? It could be about a prodigal son and a prodigal daughter. You may have to go to God and say, God, I remember the word you gave to me about my son, about my daughter, when they were five, when they were six, when they were seven years old. I remember when I would pray over them in their crib. I remember when I would pray over them in their bed. And right now, they're not serving you, and right now, they're far away from you, but God, I remember the word that you spoke to me, and I'm going to claim it. It's a specific word. What about this? It could be about an impossible situation. And God gives you a word about it. I'm not trying to be weird or mystical tonight. But God may not speak to as an audible voice to anybody. But he will speak to your heart. He can give you a word to your heart. To your soul. That nobody else is going to hear. That nobody else is going to know about but you know about. God's going to speak it to you. So I don't know what that word is, but God speaks specifically on these things. I was preaching something similar to this to teenagers. And God is speaking to them. And I I told them, sometimes you uh, sacrifice for the generic the world offers when God has specific things that He wants to speak into your lives. They're going to make decisions about college. I believe with all my heart God has a specific college for each one of them. They're going to have decisions about who to marry and who to date. I believe that God has a specific person for them to date and for them to marry. But we have to pray that way. We have to pray specifically to receive the specific request. And God's going to speak those things. Listen, I didn't have my whole life mapped out when I was 18 years old, but I had to take a step by faith. God, I know you're speaking to me about this. I know where you're speaking to me about where to go to college. And God, I know what kind of woman I want to marry. I want to marry, number one, somebody who's saved. I want to marry somebody who wants to be in ministry. And these were specific things. And praise the Lord, he gave me one. I mean, I still remember the first time I saw her on campus. Pensacola Christian College, Pensacola, Florida, blonde hair, blue eyes. I said, I looked at my friend and I said, Who is that? he said, I don't know. And I said, You've been hanging out with one of the other girls she's hanging out with. How do you not know? And then the rest is history. I'll have to tell you that whole story sometime. He had to God actually sent a snowstorm to the airport in Atlanta to cancel all the flights just because she would have to find another ride down to college. Am I telling the truth? I know that sounds crazy, but that really did happen. And the only person that her and her friends could think of that would be coming through Atlanta would be Nathan and his friend who lives in Asheville and had to come. And I told my friend, I said, listen, when we pick up Jessica, you have your car, I have my truck. This is how this is going to work. You get the luggage, I get the girl. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but that really had... I was at my Nana and Papa's house when I got the phone call from a number I didn't know about, hey, can you come pick me up in Atlanta? And I was like, the Lord answers prayers. (laughs) But my point is, he's specific how he speaks. But what about this? Not only is it a particular word, but it's a personal word. He says, remember the word unto thy servant. It's personal, it's thy servant. Think about this when Samuel anointed David to be king. You guys know the story? He tried to anoint all of his other brothers. And Samuel looks at Jesse and says, Is this this it? Do you have any other sons? Like, I know God sent me here with a specific word to anoint somebody, the next king of Israel, but none of these boys work. He says, I got one more boy, and he's out keeping the sheep. And so he sends a servant says, go get my boy David. David comes in. Samuel takes the anointing oil on David's head and anoints him as a young boy to be the next king of Israel. That word from God was only for David. It was not for any other of his brothers. It was only for David because it was a personal word and it would not work for anybody else. But think about this. As soon as Samuel... here I'm David. Samuel's here. He anoints me king. Did David go immediately to the palace in Jerusalem and sit on the throne? In fact, it was a long time before he did, was it not? And in fact, did he not have to run for his life from the current king? Do you not... I believe with all my heart that there was moments when David was hiding from Saul in the caves, that he questioned the word he got from God. Do you not believe that? God, I mean, I know what I witnessed. I know, I remember Samuel pouring the anointing oil over my head and him saying, I anoint you the next king of Israel. Like, I know I didn't imagine that, but right now I'm having a very difficult time understanding and realizing and seeing how all of this is going to work out. And I believe there were certain times in the life of David, even hiding in the cave, running for his life, that he got down on his knees and he said, God, it really doesn't look like what you told me is ever going to be true. But by the faith that I have, I remind you the word that you spoke to thy servant, that I'm going to be the next king of Israel. And one day... David sat on the throne of Israel. But it wasn't immediately. And that's sometimes the hardest part. And that's what leads me to my last point that I want to say here, and then I'm going to tell you how this applied to my life. It was a a particular word, a personal word, but it was a prophetic word. What's the end part of the verse? Remember thy word unto thy servant, for it hath caused me to hope. Something that God said caused the reaction of hope. That's got to be a pretty strong word. I mean, that's a pretty strong word for me to hope in something. And so he says, whatever you said, God, there was something that spoke to my heart to the fact that my present situation and circumstance would not be my future. That's, the, that's how hope works, correct? Hope is, whatever you're going through now, you will not have to go through it later because you have hope. And so the servant says, you spoke something to me, God, and what you spoke to me says that my current situation and my current circumstance will not be my future situation and my future circumstance. So you do not, as a believer, when God speaks a word into your life, you do not have to accept the status quo of living. You can have hope that there is a God who loves you enough, that has a plan for your life and a purpose for your existence, and you do not have to let the enemy steal your joy based upon your current situation or circumstance. That's what he's saying. You spoke something to me that caused hope to rise up in me. Just like a four-year-old boy, as his dad said, not right now, son. I know you really want ice cream, but your current situation, your current circumstance, you can't have it. But one day, when we come back, you can have ice cream. But here's the problem about a prophetic word. I mentioned it with the story of David. The problem with a prophetic word is you have. Been in youth ministry for 10 years, and I've seen a lot of teenagers get ruined in the waiting. I've seen a lot of teenagers ruin their life in the waiting. I've seen teenagers surrender to a call on God's life, but that's the thing. Here's what the Bible says in First Peter I will exalt you in due time. So there's a waiting period in there, and they get frustrated and they give up and they quit in the waiting. Listen, I don't know every situation, every circumstance, but if you have a prodigal son and a prodigal or a prodigal daughter, don't give up. Right now you're in the waiting. But God can speak a word into your life. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness, maybe you're dealing with a disease, maybe you're dealing with something that's unknown. Don't give up in the waiting. That's the hardest time. The hardest time when God speaks a word into your life about a future circumstance. You know God's plan, you know God's purpose, you know what he's put inside of you to do, to accomplish, but the part is the waiting I mean that's the hardest part about anything in life is waiting who likes to walk into a restaurant here you got a 45 minute wait nobody you want it now we live in an instant society but God says sometimes you have to wait just be patient I've seen so many teenagers people waste their call lose their future And sacrifice God's plan for their life in the waiting. God is speaking to you in the waiting, but the question is are we listening? Now, I'll be honest with you, I like to tell stories when I preach, but sometimes it's hard to tell personal stories. It just is. And I know a lot of you know the story about how God blessed us with our two kids. Maybe some of you do not. But I have never, ever, ever publicly told the whole story. And so while I was praying about God, what do you want me to preach this Sunday night? This is the verse he gave me, and this is the message he gave me. And I was good with all that. And then he says, you need to tell your story. And I was not good with that. And I actually, on the drive even from Johnson City this afternoon... I kind of bargained with God that I didn't have to tell my story. But he said, you need to tell it. Somebody needs to hear it. And so if God's good enough to me to give me a story, then I'll share it. But it's a very long story, so I'm going to try to keep it short and brief. But as a lot of you knew, I grew up in this church. God called me, went to college, married my wife. God called us to Alabama to serve in a ministry down there for five years. And so we'd been married for four to five years, and, you know, you uh, enjoy that time together in marriage, and then, you know, you have that desire God put in your heart to have kids, and we realized that it wasn't coming easy, and in fact, you know, there were some wondering, well, will we ever be blessed with kids? And it was November, I believe, of 2014, and Jessica... My wife found out she was pregnant. And in the midst of all that, God began to move in our hearts about leaving our ministry in Alabama. He had opened up some positions up here in Asheville to come back home, take a position at a private school. Pastor had talked to me about a part-time position here at the church. But nothing was finalized, and I was coming to January of 2015, and I had to start making some decisions. If I was going to leave the ministry down there and move up here, I mean, there's a lot of big, huge steps. And so we found out we were pregnant in November. We were not going to tell anybody. We were elated, excited. And so we were like, maybe God is going to move us back up to Asheville. I mean, this is like seems like perfect timing. So we came up on a Friday to meet with Pastor in his office just to talk about the possibility of getting part-time here at the church. And we meet with Pastor. This was on a Friday, and Pastor says, hey, it's yours. You can come on part-time. You can come help Pastor Rory with the teens and see where God leads and direct from there. And we left that office, and we were pumped. I had just confirmed my other position there at the private school, and so we were like, Oh, my God, is unbelievable. He gives it; we get pregnant in November, and now God's moving us back up to Asheville, and it's like we were on cloud nine. I mean, everything that we had possibly prayed has come true. And the next morning, we took Jessica to the ER, and we realized very quickly that we were going to lose our baby. In less than 24 hours. Cloud nine to walking one of the darkest paths of our life. And for the next days and weeks and months and years, we were in the dark. We lost that baby. And just a lot of no's. I'll put it that way. God was not blessing us with children. And a lot of things going back and forth. And as a husband, you see how broken your wife is. And it's hard to describe. I mean, what do you do when your wife cries herself to sleep at night? And You can't fix it. Nothing I said helped. And so we walked that path together. And at about the same time, God started to work in both of our lives about fostering. Maybe this is how God's going to bless us with a kid. And so we start trusting God on this path to foster. And so we get licensed. And we, feel, we really feel like this is what God wants us to do. So we start to receive phone calls about this kid, about this baby. And every time we would say yes, we would get rejected. Every time. And in fact, it got to the point where we were just tired, where we were just broken. And we called DSS and we said, do not call us anymore. Like, we just need a break. So we tell them not to call us and I'm here actually. In June, getting ready in 2017 to take our young men on a camping trip. So I'm here at the church. Winston's here with me. Chris is here. We're all trying to get the guys ready. I think, did Chris, you took the van maybe? I can't remember all the details. But I get a call from my wife and says, you're never going to believe this, but DSS called us again. And that made me mad, just to be honest with you. Like we told them not to call us. Like, give us a break. And she's like, I know we told them, but they feel like that this is a good situation for us and that they, we were on their mind, and it's a two-year-old boy, and he needs a home tonight. I'm like, it's 5 o'clock in the evening. I'm getting ready to go on this camping trip. It's not a very good situation. It's just not good timing. And she says, I know, but I feel like we need to say yes. And reluctantly, I said, okay, just meet me here at the church and we'll pray and go get them. So everybody else had gone, and I sat, I went into the Family Life Center and the rocking chair that's still there, sitting there right when you walk in. I sat there and I said, God, you're going to have to make this obvious that it's your will. And before that, even in the brokenness of those days ahead, I prayed. You get to a point when you're going through a battle like that where you can't read your Bible like you want to. You can't even pray like you want to. And I remember being in my living room. My wife was at work. Just got home and I just said, you know, God, my wife's broken. I'm broken. I need a word from you. Like, I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to listen to a message. I don't want to listen to a sermon. I just need a word from you. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, next time your wife is broken and is crying, you need to tell her that I'm going to give you children in the most unique way possible. That's all he gave me, unique. So the next time my wife and myself was having a conversation about children, I said, listen, I know it's difficult, but I believe that God is going to give his children in one of the most unique ways possible. And to her testimony, to her witness, I even asked her about it recently, just to make sure I'm telling the truth, that I really told her this. But she said, yes, you told me this. And every time you told me that, it made me mad. Because we were in the waiting. And when you're in the waiting, it's the most difficult time. So I said, God, I'm sitting back in the Rock and of Family Life Center. I said, God, you're going to have to make it so obvious that this is your will for our lives. And so I was thinking to myself, man, that was pretty unique that we told DSS not to call us, but yet they called us anyway. And so we, walk, we finally get to the DSS office in downtown Asheville. And we walk in, and it's after hours, so they have to unlock the door for, for us. And we walk in, and the DSS worker says to us, she introduces herself, and she says, I almost fell out of my chair when I realized what your last name was. And I said, Why? And she said, because your last name is the same as the boy's last name. And I said, really? And she said, yes, I've been doing this for 15 years and this never happens. He has your last name and you're not related. I said, I know. (laughs) And walking down that hallway, I said, wow, that's pretty unique. That he would have, I mean, come on, seriously. So that was in June. We take this boy home with us. And in July, we found out that my wife was pregnant. Now, that's pretty unique. You get a boy from foster care in June, and then your wife gets pregnant in July. That's very, very unique. And now I'm thinking, whoa, whoa. I mean, we're going to get, I went from zero to, now I'm going to have two in less than a year. I, I mean, that's pretty unique. But then we, as we started to go down the road of trying to adopt this young boy, if you've ever been down that road, you realize there's a lot of hurdles to jump through. Angie and Roger, I know you know this. And they always try to place them back with family. So there was a second cousin that was praying about, they were a good couple, taking him and bringing him into their home. And so we, at this point, we had fallen in love with Xavier. And we said, God, you can't take him from us. Like we've already had... Our heart's broken. We cannot take another um, disappointment. And that's why I'd pray. I said, my wife can't take another disappointment. So this went on for about a month about the second cousin. And listen to this. We get a phone call one day. I said, hey, we just want to let you know the second cousin is not going to take Xavier. And we said, really? Praise the Lord. He said, yeah, they just found out that she was pregnant. Wow, praise the Lord, because that's what I've been praying, that something like that would happen. So they say, no. I said, that's pretty unique. God's timing is pretty unique. And then we said, well, that's a pursuit to adopt him. And so we went through all the paperwork. It's a lot of process. So, of course, at this point, my wife is coming to her due date. And so as we approached, people were telling us it could take a year or two to adopt, depending on how everything works out. So as we approached her due date, everything was coming exactly how we wanted, and Xavier was going to be ours. So my wife goes in on March 5th, 2018, to have our little girl. Then on March 5th, 2018, Brooklyn Grace Hawkins came into the world. And we were elated and we were excited. But no news about my little boy's adoption and I get an email at about 8.30 the next morning from the DSS office, and this is what it said. Mr. and Mrs. Hawkins, we just want to let you know that as of yesterday, March 5th, 2018, Xavier James Hawkins is officially your son. So on my daughter's birth certificate, it says born March 5th, 2018. And on my son's adoption certificate, it says adopted March 5th, 2018. It's pretty unique. But can I say that in the waiting, I didn't see all that. In the crying yourself to sleep, you don't see all that. I want to finish with this. I didn't tell you the whole story about the Chick-fil-A. I go get my little boy's ice cream and I bring it back to him and I sit it on the table and I put it in front of him. i never forget this. I didn't really connect until I really stated out this message and then it just hit me. I was telling Rory this in the office. I put it in front of him and I say, hold on, I'll go get you a spoon. And This is what he said. He said, Dad... I already got a spoon. Oh, if I could have that faith. I'm going to just go ahead and get the spoon. I know Dad is going to get me the ice cream because he told me that he would get me the ice cream. So I'm just going to go ahead and have the spoon, and then when he brings the ice cream, I'm going to be ready. Is that not faith? That's faith so much that you believe it's going to be a fact. That's what we talked about in the office. And listen, I don't know the situation and the circumstances. You know what I thought about this message, and I even talked to Winston about it, and I asked him if it would be okay if I was mentioning it, but I thought about Musette and about all those prayers she had to pray for her grandson. And how many times, as a grandmother, she prayed for her grandson that was out in the world. And I bet your prayers went like this. God, you know the call you have upon Winston's life. And right now, he's not serving you, and he's not living for you, and he's out in the world. But I believe, and I remember what you spoke to me about my grandson, and she's not here anymore. She's gone to heaven. But I believe when Pastor Winston gets up here and stands behind this pulpit and preaches the Word of God, it's on a grandmother's prayers and a grandfather's prayers, and it's because somebody didn't give up. I don't know the situation or circumstance But maybe we just need to find a place in the altar or in the sanctuary tonight as they come to play quietly a song of invitation and just remind God of something. Lord, right now, I don't see it. And to be honest with you, I'm having a hard time believing it. But God, through your help and through your name, I claim it. Would you stand all over the building? Would you come find a place to pray? Don't give up in the waiting. so many times it would have been easy just to give up. And now that I even tell the story you almost forget what the pain felt like. I believe with all my heart that most of the time when it comes with God, the greater the pain, the more the pain, the greater the joy is going to be on the other end of it. Like, i got to believe that. If that's not true, then it's going to be hard to get through this life. Remember your word unto thy servant, for it has caused me to hope. If you just sing a verse...
2: The Savior is waiting.
1: God, Lord, I thank you so much for the story that you've given me and my family. And Lord, I'm so humbled because I know that it could be a lot different. And God, I know that there are situations and circumstances that, God, right now it doesn't look like it's a good ending, but God, you can speak into those. You can speak into the darkness. You can speak speak into the doubt. Speak into the disappointment. And God, we claim it. I just, just was talking to my brother this afternoon about praying God's Word, praying a prayer, and seeing God answer and claiming it. God, we have that power. God, we have the power in the name of Jesus. Lord, the enemy wants us to quit in the waiting God, he wants to destroy us in the difficulty. But Lord, I pray that each couple, each family, each marriage, God, each impossibility, God, you would speak into. God, I pray we would not give up. Lord, time and life is so short. Lord, I pray you would be lifted up. God, you receive all the glory. God, the reason I have that story is because you receive all the glory. The reason I tell that story is so that you would receive all the glory. Well oh, we love you, God. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room, in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist, a Methodist, or a Presbyterian church. That's God. That's personal. That's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him. You say, well, brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed, that couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist. The Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin anew. It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror the guilt, the problems. God can forgive you and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how's that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning god be merciful unto me a sinner i'm sorry for my sin please forgive me and i promise you god from this day forward i'll serve you with the rest of my life you can begin again in jesus christ i want to encourage you to read your bible if you don't have a bible you call us you write to us we'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.